0: Hello and welcome to the Film Pulse Podcast. This is episode number 330. My name is Adam Patterson. With me today we got Kevin Rakestraw. Hey, Kevin.
1: Hey, what's up?
0: Not a whole lot. Just uh, just enjoying our big World Cup win today. That's right. Very exciting.
1: Now we got the, the Gold Cup final tonight.
0: Yep. That's what, against Mexico? Yep. Yep. Very, that's, that's pretty exciting too. Not as exciting as the World Cup. We'll no, be honest with you, but
1: no, no, definitely
0: not. Very exciting stuff. I enjoyed myself watching this.
1: Yes, it's good stuff. Is that what we're reviewing?
0: <laughs> the we're reviewing <laughs> 2019 World <laughs> <laughs> Um, no, we're not going to be doing that this week. This is okay. a movie show. Gotcha. We will be reviewing Ari Aster's Midsummer. This week we'll also be talking about someone watching on the watch list and going over this week's new releases in theaters, VOD, and Blu-ray. Thank you so much for joining us today. Yeah, Remember, thanks. you can review us on iTunes. That would be much appreciated. I have no housekeeping this week. Nice. We're gonna try to get Ryan. We're gonna wrangle Ryan. Try to get him.
1: It's gonna be recording. a lot easier now that the the soccer. After today, because today you had Women's World Cup final, and then you had the Copa America final at four, and then the Gold Cup final at nine o'clock tonight. So Ryan is just, he's locked in for soccer all day. And hopefully, yeah, hopefully after today, we'll get him back.
0: Yeah. Uh, With that, I think we can jump into our review. We're talking about Midsummer. As I said, this is written and directed by Ari Aster. I have a synopsis here. A couple travels to Sweden to visit a rural hometown's fabled Midsummer Festival. What begins as an idyllic retreat quickly devolves into an increasingly violent and bizarre competition at the hands of a pagan cult. Mm. I have a review for this up on the site, so we'll start with you, Kevin. What did you think of Midsummer? Now, before before I let you start answering... Uh, let's let's try to keep the at least the beginning part spoiler free. If we do need to go into spoilers, we'll uh, give a warning and then we'll probably tack it on at the end of the show.
1: I, first off, I would say I think it's kind of hard to spoil this movie because it's pretty predictable straight from the outset. Well, there. I mean, like the actual visuals of some, some things are still going to be you know, it's still going to catch you off guard, but like, right. Action. I mean, it's
0: pretty obvious that it's a group of people that are dealing with the cult, but the things that happen, especially in the, the final act, uh, I, I don't know how predictable. Oh boy. Those very, elements are
1: very, the very end. No, I mean, I'm
0: talking about as far if you haven't seen the movie, I mean, obviously, uh, they, allude to what is going to happen in the movie itself but if you if you've only seen the trailer i don't know how predictable it could be well yeah the i guess
1: that i guess that should come back to i don't know if that's um if that comes down to seeing so many movies that i kind of had this idea going into it hoping that it wouldn't be that but then it ended up being that So I was a bit disappointed. But I will say this one's kind of tough for me because in a lot of ways, it's better than Hereditary, which is a movie that I didn't quite enjoy that much. And a good amount of ways, it's better than that. But at at one integral way, it's far worse, which bummed me out. Because if you remember, the thing that excited me most about Hereditary was the ending and how it just went completely off the rails and it just got completely insane. And I kind of held on to that. Like, that was my shining light. I was like, oh, if he can develop that, that would be great. Like, if you, maybe if you could make a movie with that kind of energy pulsing throughout. Now we're talking. But Midsummer doesn't have that anywhere, which I found no, disappointing.
0: Well, it's structured in a similar way to Hereditary, right? Where it it is a very slow build up with these kind of accents here and there of shocking moments and then there's a big like denouement at the end, right? Where yeah. It, that's when it gets crazy. It's it's similar to Hereditary in yeah. that regard. And it's also similar to Hereditary in the theming of of this, you know, it's a movie about grief and loss well the one added element of this one is that it's very heavily focused on the ending of a relationship as well
1: yeah yeah it's just it didn't have that uh, it didn't have that insanity that I was hoping for it it's uh, midsummer the the, the culminating event that we were building up to was I found very very tame and I just it was kind of a bummer mm. gotta say I- it's a little bit of a bummer.
0: I don't know if I found it to be tame per se, but it wasn't like completely batshit.
1: Yes. Yes. I mean, hereditary, but I mean, there's that, there's a particular scene and occurrence in that mm-hmm. ending that just sticks with you where it's like, I don't know if I saw that in a movie before we're here with Midsummer. You're like, yeah, I've seen this a lot of times before. For
0: me, the most, Shocking moment of midsummer didn't happen at the end. It was it's it was hap- something that happened
1: the first day of the festival.
0: Yeah, <laughs> or was it the second day? Was it the
1: the I think it, I think that was the day that kicked it. That was like the first official day. I think, okay, yeah, you festival.
0: you might be right. So like the the day that they arrived was just them like preparing, and then the next day was like the first official day. That was the to me that was the most shocking thing, and it, because it was something that, like you totally knew that was going to happen, but yes. it it still managed to like shock me when
1: it when it did happen. And I think it's that I think that mostly comes down to his insistence on showing that, just you know, in a still mm-hmm. still camera, yeah, it doesn't go it you just see it all. Yeah. Which I think he relies a bit too much on that for sure. Uh, yeah. I,
0: I suspected you were going to have a problem with that because I remember you also had a problem with that in Hereditary where he he forces you to confront, you know, the the horrible things that are happening on on screen. Yeah. I, I don't think, necessarily have a problem with that.
1: I mean, it's not a huge problem for me. I just think it's a tiny bit of a crutch for him at least that's the way i see it. Now, what i will say cuz i don't want to be completely negative here because this is one of those those movies that's kind of difficult for me cuz it's kind of like right down the middle where a lot of the technical aspects of this movie i think are incredible. Like the, the production design, the art team behind this movie. I mean, are you kidding me? Like the work that they've they put into this is just incredible.
0: Yeah. It's a gorgeous gorgeous film i mean like
1: the archit- the architecture the, the 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 costuming the sets uh, i mean mm-hmm. like everything is just i mean immaculate
0: yeah i completely agree i mean it's it's a it's a beautiful film in a lot of ways the the use of color the the use of sunlight everything is just bathed in in bright colors and i think that that really aids to aids in the, the atmosphere of the movie. It, it's funny how it's, it's a movie that's so bright and colorful, but is constantly evoking this this dread in you where you're just like, mm, this is not right.
1: Something's not right here. Well, something's going to happen. <laughs> well, I think, and I mean, that's kind of the, coming down to the predictable thing. Is like, you know that going in, like it's, it's, it's a full car movie, right? And you're talking about this, I don't even know if I would consider them a cult. This is more of like a long lost culture. that's like kind of stuck in the olden days. So you know that what they're doing is going to be kind of gruesome. And you like, you just know that going in, like as soon as they get there, you're just like, well, terrible shit's going to happen because if not, this movie wouldn't exist. And I think the thing that kind of disappointed me is that it's, a lot of the same things that you see in other folk horror movies where there's this, you know, it's a midsummer festival. So it's all about the crops and you got to do certain things to make sure those crops grow. Mm hmm. Yeah. Circle of life and all that. Yep, Mother nature. And, and I just you never trust anyone or a group of people that are just like happy all the time. That's just, that should always be your first red flag.
0: They're filled with too much joy.
1: If they're too happy, if they're always happy, something's fucking wrong. Okay. (laughs) That's not right. I mean, I know that if I were
0: to get out of the car, you know, when they first arrived and saw that, or maybe not when they first arrived, but when they first went to like the actual like village proper. And mm-hmm. they were meeting everybody and stuff, and i, I would I would just see all the red flags. but you uh, know nope. and I there think was that, a, there, there was a certain na- naivete with these characters, though, like they too too often, and I mean, I think that they even said at one point that they they just try to rationalize everything that's happening by it's their culture,
1: you know yeah Well, and I think too is that was that was one way of kind of justifying that is to making them you know uh phd students doing uh like this they're on their little anthropological so it makes sense that they're there and that they're not they're not going to leave because this is kind of like a once in a lifetime opportunity right yeah but yeah if you were the other like i don't understand the the, the british couple is if you walk in, i don't know what they were i don't think they were phd students but I'm pretty sure if I walked in and I saw that, I'm like, well, I'm not here for work, so I'm leaving. This is fucking weird.
0: <laughs> well, I mean they, they pretty quickly they pretty quickly were like, Nope. <laughs> uh there there was a lot of humor in this too that that I didn't quite expect. I mean there was a fair amount of humor in Hereditary too, so I guess I don't know why I wasn't expecting that, but there was a lot of intentionally funny moments that, that evoked uh, a lot of nervous laughter from my audience. Yeah. Which I I definitely appreciated that there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of little just subtle things in this too. I mean, especially when the festival was like when they were deep in the festival and things started to go really downhill where they would like, add those kind of distortions to the camera where things were like subtly being distorted and like kind of pulsating. Like you had all the flowers that were just like moving and and pulsating. Yeah. And then you had a lot of, uh, there were, there were several fourth wall breaks too. I don't know if you noticed that when characters would look directly at the camera. And I I thought that that. that. Yeah. Um, I found that to be, somewhat disturbing and effective as well. Hmm. But going back to the visuals, I thought everything looked really incredible. I thought the cinematography was really good. I mean, one of the, I thought a really great transitional scene is you see it in the trailer when she's going into, I think she was in a, in, in her apartment and it transitioned from her going into the bathroom in her apartment into the air, into the airplane.
1: Yes. In the beginning. Like, I thought yeah.
0: that that shot was just really excellently done. But I thought that all the
1: camera work was really solid in this as yeah. well. I pretty much enjoyed all the cinematography. Some of the, some of that, um, the effects were with, the, with the, the psychedelic. I didn't. I thought it was a bit much. I did like the flower stuff. But when they had, like, the entire, like, everything kind of, like, swirling a little mm-hmm. bit. Yeah, it's just like I get it. They're on
0: drugs. Yeah, I mean, I could have probably done without that, but that's more so just me. Not, I mean, I've said it before on the show. I don't. I usually don't like drug trip scenes in movies because I, yeah, I, I find I don't know why they frustrate me for some reason because I feel like they they don't add much to
1: I, the narrative. I, but yeah, I think that and the thing that gets me is it's always an opportunity. To just do whatever the fuck you want to do, right? Because they're they're on drugs. It's time to just get freaky with it. But it's always a disappointment. Like, no one ever does anything that I'm like, holy shit, that was incredible. You know, it's just like goofy shit. We're like, oh, it swirls a little bit. Check that out. Just like, that's it? Come on. Could have literally done anything. My favorite
0: drug trip scene of the year was still in Booksmart when they turned into the Barbie dolls.
1: See, there you go. Get creative with it. Do weird stuff. You can uh, do whatever you want. It's movies. Yeah, just, just go hog wild.
0: Performances, I thought, were great across the board. Um, uh, Florence Pugh was incredible, I thought. Yes. I thought she was just... She just... Man... She just murdered that performance. She was so good.
1: Yeah, she does she does the majority of the work here.
0: Yeah, which is which is by design, I believe. Yes. Yeah,
1: because that's pretty much her life. I think that kind of ties into the the relationship thing. Which yeah. I gotta say. First of all, I agree with you. I enjoyed all the performances. I thought I I mean the Jack Rayner. Like it's not necessarily a bad performance. I just think his character is like a complete nothing of a person. And I obviously that's I think it was pretty intentional. I think they just went a bit too far with it. But the the thing that got me is like for the majority of the movie, I was thinking that this was like some young relationship and he was just kind of stuck in it because, you know, bad stuff happened he wanted he was thinking about getting out. But then when they're at the festival and Turns out they've been together four years. Yeah, she's like, "Are you fucking kidding me?" <laughs> like, holy shit!
0: Yeah, it was not a good relationship.
1: No, but the it's thing, awful. like, he's a complete—he's a waste of a human being. But, like, he literally did nothing.
0: The thing I liked about it, though, was that it wasn't—it felt—it felt like a realistic relationship where there wasn't anything that was so egregious where you're just like, why are they together? You know, it's, it's like a lot of little things and you, you know, like this, these, these two should not be together. They're not a good fit, but it wasn't anything like he wasn't like beating her or anything like that. It was, it was just a lot of little uh, subtle, it's just, subtle it- things.
1: It wasn't necessarily so. He just had a complete and utter disregard for it. Because it's not only just his relationship with her. Think of his relationship with his buddies. Like, he didn't do anything for these guys. And then at one point, for whatever reason, he's just like, hey, I'm going to do my thesis on this, too. Yeah, and he totally <laughs> stole. And that guy's just like, uh, what? Yeah, he totally stole his friend's thesis. He's, yeah, not, a, he's not a good guy. No, he's just like, yeah, this, that's what I'm going to do now.
0: But but there the, you can tell that he he cares about uh, Florence Pugh's character Danny. It's just that a lot of the stuff he does feels like total minimum effort. Like he's feeling like, oh, I should be consoling her right now, so let me go ahead and do
1: that. Yeah, but that's you know, what I'm it, saying. You don't you you can't you can't in one breath say that he cares about her, and then in the other breath. Say that he has to like try to like talk himself into doing the, the fucking bare minimum. Like, if you <laughs> actually cared, you wouldn't have to. Say. That's like saying that, you know, like I have to remind myself to breathe. Like, you should just be able to, like, oh wow, something terrible happened to her. I should console her and empathize with her at the very minimum. Like, he yeah. shouldn't have to talk, <laughs> he shouldn't have to make a case for himself to be doing and the worst part is is he he realized that knows that and he's still like i'm not gonna do it though
0: and then, he, of course you have will poulter's character as mark who is an even bigger douche also i believe by design yes
1: he's sort of the the comic relief uh, uh, uh of the group which yeah him and the the christian character the jack rayner they both did not seem like anthropologists working on their on their doctorates
0: well i don't think he. Well, i don't think mark was i think he was just there for a good time oh, I, don't, okay. I don't know if he i mean they i don't know if they were in the same if if they had the same major or or what but he didn't seem to have any idea what was going on was just there to party and try to hook up with weird uh yeah religious people <laughs> Getting, just getting back to the style, I loved, I loved all the costuming, the like, kind of flower wreaths and the copious amounts of runes and, and symbols that were everywhere that I believe were pulled from various different like, European folktales and things. I thought, it, I thought that, I mean, even though this, this is like a fictitious religion, I thought that it felt very authentic.
1: Oh yeah, you can definitely tell he he put he put a lot of time into researching that stuff because it doesn't just feel like you know cobbled together or anything like that, just made up on the on the spot. Like there, it feels like there's a history there.
0: Any other non-spoiler? Do
1: do we do you want to discuss any spoilers? Just one, I think. Just because I'm curious to see what your thoughts are.
0: Okay, so. Let's go ahead and give this a score now, and then we'll do a spoiler discussion and, and put it at the end of the show. Uh, so I gave Midsummer, I believe, an 8 out of 10. Watch out. I was, I was very taken with this movie. I, I, this is a movie that, like, it just stuck with me, like, long after I saw it. I just... Eight, 8.5, actually. I gave it an 8.5. Oh,
1: yeah. Are you sticking with the 8.5?
0: Yeah. This 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 is a movie. I can't wait to see this again. It it has a pretty long runtime, but I did not feel the runtime at all. I did. Felt it. I I wasn't bothered by it at all. I felt it in my bones. It fucked my back up. I predicted that you weren't gonna be as high on this as I, think uh, it's, as
1: I was. I think it also comes down now to just like a comfort level because like theater seats just fuck up my back. So anytime, so I think that that you think, like that gets introduced at, at about like an hour and 45 minutes. Right. Or so like I start feeling in my back, like, God damn it. And now I'm kind of like, I'm wanting you to end your movie. So I'm kind of hoping for it to be over and, and he just keeps going. So it might not, I mean, it's not entirely his fault. It's mostly my back just starting to make, you know, kind of makes me a little pissy. (laughs) Oh, man. Because then I start nitpicking everything because I'm like, this doesn't need to be here. You could have cut that shit out of there. That's six minutes gone. (laughs) Uh, All right. What are you going to give Midsummer out of 10? Uh, I'm going to give it uh, six and a half. And I got to say, because I think I touched on it a little bit, but the flower work in this movie. Oh, man yeah
0: i kind of suspected you were gonna like the flower work oh i'm a flower guy you know me lots of really great floral arrangements in this oh my
1: god it's incredible so good all right i'm saying everyone that did the the art and the production all that shit incredible work
0: that is midsummer stay tuned to the end of the show for a quick spoiler discussion All right, let's talk about someone we've been watching on the watch list. I've been seeing a lot, a lot, a lot of stuff. Um, So if you, if you go to the website right now, we're covering the New York Asian Film Festival. We have Japan cuts. that's starting very shortly. And then I'll also be covering Montreal's Fantasia Fest this year. And that starts next weekend, I believe. So lots and lots of things that are going to be hitting the website very soon. Um, I saw, we'll start with a a Blu-ray release. This came out last week this is called FM. It came out in 1978. It's directed by John A. Alonzo. This is a really interesting one. I never even heard of this movie before I, um, got wind that arrow was putting it out on Blu-ray and it's sort of like, uh, I, I described it like rock and roll high school for the for baby boomers because it's it takes place in a radio station and it's just about this this crew at a radio station who they find out that their station has sold a whole bunch of ad time to the US Army and they get really mad about it and they end up the, the manager ends up quitting and they hold this like protest and they sort of lock themselves in the radio station. And that's basically the movie. It's more so focused on sort of the day to day life and how this station functions. And it's a wacky station. They're just, they're a wacky bunch.
1: It's just a cast of characters.
0: Yeah. You got Martin Mull in there. He's sort of this like all-star DJ women love him. Uh, Cleavon Little is also a DJ, and um, it's pretty fun. the The music in this is out of control. I I sent you the, a list of some of the the bands in Slack, and I was just like, it's like the most classic rock soundtrack I've ever heard in my life. I mean, it is it's ridiculous. The bands that are featured on here, and the music is. Almost nonstop. Like I can't imagine how much they had to pay for the music for this movie because there's just so much.
1: Yeah, I wonder how that worked back in the '70s. I wonder if there's, you know, those bands and stuff, if they really charged that much.
0: Yeah, I don't know. Maybe they, maybe they had deals. Like I don't know what labels all of these bands are on. So maybe a lot of them were on the same label, and they just, they just worked could out some deal with yeah. the label. Maybe. But I mean, you have like Steely Dan, Bob Seger, the Steve Miller Band, Foreigner, Tom fog Petty, Foghat, fog fog hat. Hat. yeah, fog Hat, Boston, Linda Ronstadt is she's in it. She actually performs three songs in the movie. Jimmy Buffett is in it. He's he performs a song in the movie. Oh God! Tom this Petty's sounds... in Tom Petty's in the movie, but he doesn't perform. But Thank they do God. play his music.
1: It's, it sounds like a nightmare
0: for <laughs> me it
1: sounds like a personal nightmare to me yeah
0: i mean uh, to be like i don't like any of this music for the most part for the most part i hate all of the music in it but at the same time i thought it was really impressive and i i had fun with the movie i thought it was a good time I mean, remind me
1: a little bit of airheads too yeah that's kind of what when you went over the like, what happens? That was my mm-hmm. immediate thought. I was like, oh, Airheads, okay.
0: Yeah, and the end, the end is really similar to Airheads, where, like, this huge crowd forms, and it turns into, like, this big party outside the radio station. It's, it's a lot
1: like Airheads. Well, or I should say, Airheads is a yeah. lot like this. <laughs> Airheads came first.
0: <laughs> Airheads was released in 1976. <laughs> it's just, you didn't know it. Um, anyway, again, that's called FM, and I would, I would give it a light recommend.
1: Uh, I saw mango Shake. Ooh, yeah, from this year from Tichu, uh, and this is a, a lo-fi coming of-age film, and when I say lo fi I mean, I think I told you I think the budget on this was like 50 bucks. Had to be, maybe 75 dollars. I'm not 100 percent sure, but it's definitely it's a low one. But uh, they do a lot with it. And essentially, what they do, the big thing is like they kind of, throughout the movie, they're just kind of poking fun at coming of age films and kind of everything's done ton- tongue in cheek. Um, there's a lot of pontificating, there's a lot of existential angst, there's a lot of voiceover, that kind of stuff. But it's routinely delivered and presented in perhaps the silliest of ways. Like a lot of times people are just using ridiculous voices. Um, There's, it's kind of like this mixture of like maturity and like hella immature. And uh, there's like plenty of them screwing up their lines, um, just breaking character and laughing and a lot of that stuff. And it really all it is is it, it takes place over the course of one summer. It's just this this big cast of characters, and it seems like the director just got all of his buddies together, and they decided to make a film one year and they shot it uh like in chronological order, kind of in piecemeal and you can see like the the actors like aging throughout, and you can see like the the video quality and everything getting better as the film progresses and uh like for whatever reason, for me it just it worked because there's just this certain charm to it, and it was just it was so ridiculous. But there's also a lot of creativity to it. A lot of the stuff they do, uh, like the the main plot point and where the title comes from, is these two guys have a, a cart that sells mango shakes. That's all they do, and it's the shittiest cart you've ever seen. And they just they <laughs> yeah. sell mango shakes, and the one guy gets kind of upset and leaves and then comes back with a, with his own food cart that sells noodles and he sets up straight across from him, the mango shake. And then that, like, that's it. And it's just these, all these people just doing their thing. And it just, it's, it's tough because if you're like a hundred percent looking at this in terms of like, most films you'd be like well it's bad you know like the quality is really bad but at the same time there's just this diy sensibility to it that just it won me over Hmm. so i i definitely i definitely recommend it
0: yeah this one this one's been on my radar i just haven't had a chance to give it a look yet and who knows what the release is going to be like for this i would imagine maybe it'll pop up on vimeo at some point
1: this is, you might like it because a lot of it, I mean, the overall thing is it feels a lot like Slacker, mm-hmm. even though I've only seen like nine minutes of Slacker. But in this case, I didn't turn it off. And they, yeah. like, they, they actually do like a boyhood, like they, they do reenact a lot of stuff from coming of age films. You'll see it pop up. So it has a definite Linklater feel to it.
0: Yeah, I was kind of getting that vibe from the trailer. So, yeah, I'll I'll have to give this a look as soon as I have some time. It's mango shake. I saw Trespassers. This is directed by Orson Oblowitz. This is coming out this week on uh, VOD and in theaters. Previously titled Hell is Where the Home Is. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Which makes no sense because the central cast of characters are not at home. They are in fact staying at like an Airbnb out in the uh, out in the desert. So it wasn't their home to begin with.
1: Was it hell at least?
0: Uh, Yeah, I guess it was hell. Okay. So basically this is about a group of uh, two couples both having some relationship issues. They go to this house for like a weekend getaway do lots of drugs drink have sex with each other and a woman comes to their door and says she needs to use the phone she's a neighbor her car broke down uh played by fruza bulk actually and okay. some things happen and there's a a home invasion that then occurs by this i would i would assume is some sort of mexican cartel and they get killed and it's so bad. I can't even remotely recommend this, this movie. It, it feels xenophobic in a lot of ways. It uh, is not unique or clever or fun. The, the characters, the, the four main characters are so unlikable that you just want them to die. So the movie can be over and you don't have to deal with it anymore. I mean, these characters are just awful and there's just nothing. There's nothing about this movie that is even remotely entertaining or thought provoking. It's just, it's a nothing of a movie. It's poorly scripted, poorly acted. Maybe some of the, Uh, like gore effects and stuff are decent. Like those, those are decently done, but the, the motivations of the, the people who are breaking into the home, it's just so surface level. Like they're trying to get some photos out of the house and it's just like, what the, there's like no explanation there's no backstory you just don't know what why any of this is happening you don't know why you're watching the movie it's just it's so bad um so trespassers stay away from that one i'll have a review up
1: uh probably shortly after this show airs (laughs) uh i watched uh sarah plays a werewolf this is currently on mubi this is directed by Katharina Vies. and this was uh, this was a surprise. I was kind of surprised by this one. Uh, Lorraine Balthazar, who plays the main character Sarah, she does an incredible job. I mean, you pretty much you could watch it just for her performance. But you also have the the cinematography and the score work uh wonderfully in terms of creating this this atmosphere that kind of it kind of borders on horror it kind of hints at horror here and there but it never really never really goes that route it's more so just kind of um takes up residence in this like um this this suffering of her kind of dealing with this this trauma in her life that she doesn't really have anyone to talk to like she doesn't really she's not able to connect with people in her life or even her family. And it kind of comes down to also uh, she's in this like theater group where, so a lot of it comes into play in terms of performances where, you know, she performs for different people and in different aspects of her life. And she ends up uh, working with another student there and, the thing that they're working on kind of gets woven into the story itself. So there's this kind of maneuvering seamlessly through fantasy and reality. And, but the, the interesting thing in, when it does that is this, it never, cause I think with a lot of other filmmakers, you would expect it to go into this route of like, Oh, it's maybe she's mentally ill, you know, maybe Maybe she has she's losing her grip on reality, but this movie never does that. It never even posits that as a possibility. It just it kind of like it kind of her like escaping into her own imagination to kind of get away from the real life stuff. So if you have movie, I would definitely I would definitely suggest that check it out.
0: And that Sarah plays a werewolf. Correct. I saw Stuber. Stuber. Yeah, this comes out on Friday. Uh, I was not into this. It's it's fine. Like it's it's a perfectly serviceable buddy cop style action comedy. It's directed by Michael Dals. Uh I will say that on a positive note, the chemistry between Kamal Nanjiani and Dave Batista is incredible. <laughs> like just seeing the two of them bounce jokes off of each other. And insults and things, I thought that it worked really well. Like the, the two of them just seemed perfectly suited to play off of one another. And that was great. What wasn't so great was just the script overall. It was pretty bare bones. And I didn't, I just didn't think a lot of it landed. I didn't find a lot of the comedy to land. There were certainly funny moments, but. Overall, it plays out like a really standard action comedy. You have life lessons in there. You have everybody learning from everybody else. Just teaching teachable moments. Uh, one of the weird things about the movie is the level of violence in it. It's super violent at times. Like, <clears throat> gory, violent. And it's played for laughs. But the thing is, it doesn't happen enough for it to be like something that that you would expect and you're ready for. So when it does happen, you're just like, Oh my God, (laughs) Like, where'd that come from? That guy's face just got obliterated. Uh, So it feels a little tonally off. So yeah, I have a review for this up on the site at the end of the day. I just, just sort of right down the middle for me, maybe slightly above average. Gotcha. Stuber.
1: Stuber. That's all I got. I can't I can't follow up Stuber. <laughs> I'm gonna be uh, stuck saying that goddamn word now. I just got I finally got out of the, the habit of walking around saying runes. Now I'm <laughs> gonna be saying stuber. Stuber.
0: So I haven't talked about much that I that I saw at the New York Asian Film Festival aside from last week. And the only one that I'll that I'll mention today is uh, one called Dark Figure of Crime. This is a South Korean, uh, true, true story. It's a, it's a true crime story about a, a detective who he makes an arrest on a a man who is suspected of killing his girlfriend and through some shoddy police work, not by the main detective, but by the other people involved in the case, he gets a lighter sentence. He only gets sentenced to 15 years for killing his girlfriend. And while in prison, he requests that the detective come see him. And he tells him that he has many other murders under his belt. He's killed a whole lot of people. So he starts sort of parceling out information about the other murders that he committed and all the while, he's asking for things like money and for sunglasses. He wants he he wants some of those transitions lenses, those sweet transitions lenses, and just s- s- like food items and stuff like that to make his uh, jail stay a little bit more comfortable. And the detectives obliging him; he's giving him these things and. Some of the information he gives is correct, but a lot of it is lies. So the whole movie is about him trying to figure out what this guy is when when he's telling the truth, when he's lying, when he's like telling a half truth where like he'll say that this murder took place in this area and maybe it was sort of in that area, but it was like one town over Mm -hmm. Uh, really good, man. I was really into this one. Uh, it's directed by Kim tae Goon. and uh, it stars uh, Kim Yun who is, he was in the movie Chaser, which uh, was quite good. Also, he was also in The Thieves, which I barely remember. I think I enjoyed that one as well. I give it four, four stars on Letterboxd. So anyway, Dark Figure of Crime is well worth a look. When it, If and when it comes out here in the States. Nice. All right, let's take a look at what we have in theaters this week. Got a couple notable ones here. Stuber is probably the, one of the big ones. Okay. Crawl is the other one. This is the Alexander <laughs> Aja directed uh, alligator movie. Gator I think, movie. I think I might be seeing this. I'm pretty excited for it. I don't. I don't think
1: it's going to be any good, of course. But no. But there's just my my wife saw the this this trailer played before Midsummer, and she was like, "Oh, we have to see that." But the best thing is, is that she keeps referring to it as crawling. So I think the title for this movie for me is crawling.
0: Okay, crawling, crawling. Anyway, we also have the farewell. We have The Art of Self Defense, uh, Sort of Trust. That is the Lynn Shelton one. Looks pretty funny. Okay. With Mark Marin. Rojo. We have Super 30. Darlin. That's the uh, sequel to the Lucky McKee directed movie, The Woman. No. Nah. I wasn't, wasn't a big fan of that, honestly. And that's it for theaters this week take a look at what we have on vod the dark within we got ashes killer unicorn Mm -hmm. uh, landing lake and then these are all on tuesday and then on friday we have miss arizona which is a looks like a wacky comedy oh man we got trespassers and desolate we got darlin Summer Night, Armstrong, which is the uh, documentary, The Mission You Know, The Man You Don't. Oh. Neil Armstrong. I mean, didn't they just make a movie about him? Wasn't that the Ryan Gosling one?
1: I feel like we've had plenty of time to get to know him. Like, (laughs) if anyone's been interested. I feel like there's so many. there's, There's a lot of material out there. So if you don't know who he is by now, like, Either you're very young or you don't care. Yeah, I just I don't know about
0: that. On Netflix, we have Point Blank. This is a an action movie with Frank Grillo and Anthony Mackie. I'll be taking a look at that. Looks like dumb fun, perhaps.
1: Mm. Okay.
0: Blu-ray this week. Let's see. We have Pet Cemetery. This is the 2019 one coming out yeah. on Blu-ray. Still haven't seen that yet. Me either. I have to get around to it and try to fit it in this week.
1: I probably say, won't be able to. I'd wait a little bit. I'll probably be on Netflix.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, High Life is coming out. This is another one that <laughs> evaded me. That I, I was like so excited for this movie too. Like I was just, I was like borderline dying to see High Life, and then it comes out and I don't
1: see it. I think well. if well, you actually had chances to see it. I, I'm still waiting, but I think there's this like, um, this like anticipation fatigue where like I've been waiting to see High Life for so long that I've moved on. Like I just, I, yeah. have, I have to move on with my life. I'm sorry, de- High Life.
0: Yeah, that definitely happens. I think it is available on digital. I think you can get it on VOD at this point. Uh, The love List is coming out on Arrow Video. We'll have a review for this up on the site. This is. Catherine Bigelow's feature debut, and it is Willem Dafoe's feature debut as well. Wow! Yeah, yep. Yeah. Willem Dafoe plays a biker in a biker gang, and okay. it's about a biker gang who is they're they're heading down to Daytona for a big bike convention, big bike race, yeah, and they get stuck in this little Georgia town. Oh boy! And they got to deal with the locals. Oh boy! It's pretty good. I would, uh, I would definitely recommend checking out The Loveless. Uh, that's pretty much it for Blu-ray. Do we have any criterions?
1: We have two. Uh, and that's Europa Europa from 1990. Directed by Agnieszka Holland. It's got uh, new interviews with director, actor, and the man that the film's loosely based on. New video essay, new translation, all that jazz. And then a reissue of the BRD trilogy from Fassbender. So you get the, the Marriage of Maria Braun, Veronica Voss, and Lola as a 3 disker Alright. How about that? Three-disc.
0: Uh, Alright, I think that's going to do it for this week. Thank you so much for tuning in. You can send us your questions and topics to podcast at filmpulse.net. You can follow us on Twitter at filmpulse.net and at filmpulse Kevin. And if you have a minute, take a look at our Patreon page, patreon.com slash filmpulse. Consider help, helping us out by becoming a subscriber. For Kevin Rakestraw, my name's Adam Patterson, and we'll see you next week.
1: All
0: right. Midsummer spoilers. What was the thing that you wanted to
1: discuss that was uh, a spoiler? Her being the, what was it, the maid queen? So yeah, is that the title? Yeah. What are your thoughts on the May Queen? Because I feel like being the May Queen is not a good thing.
0: It doesn't seem like a good thing. I thought for I thought like when they were showing the pictures of the past ones, I was like, oh, they're gonna they're gonna kill the May Queen. They're gonna like sacrifice her or something. And it's probably not a good thing to be the May Queen. Now I. I thought that it was inevitable, right? Like as soon as you saw, as soon as you knew that the May queen was a thing, like you knew that she Mm -hmm. was going to be that because I mean, that that's her like taking charge, right? That's her like taking charge of her life, taking charge of her relationship and conquering this devastating loss that she has had this, this like emptiness that she's been feeling. Yeah. So I knew that it was going to happen. I thought that the that the dress, is it, I guess it was a dress, the flower dress thing, looked very odd to me because it was just, it was so big and yes. it looked like she was just like sort of inside this pile of flowers. Yes. So like when she started moving around, like walking around in it, I was like, oh, it's like actually a dress. I thought it was just like, I thought they just buried her in a pile of flowers.
1: <laughs> it's like a, yeah, it's like an old Victorian dress with like the, yeah, I can't, is it a carriage? I think you know where it would have yeah. like the big wire frame or whatever. Mm-hmm. So they had a, they had her in that, which I just like that to me was the centerpiece of the movie because I thought the same thing. I thought she, I was like, oh, she's just buried in flowers. That's that's bizarre. And then she starts moving around. I was like, oh shit, it's actually like a flower dress. That's incredible. But <clears throat> you know, you have this whole wall of May queens, right? But like. No one is. No one there is kind of like, "Hey, I was the make queen last year," or right. That's what made me think that they were for sure gonna kill the them. And I think that's kind of like what he was going for is kind of like this misdirect. But to me, there's the because I read that the guide to the runes from uh, Javelin, and there's that like new life rune. Cause that was my first thought too. When it was like the May queen, I was like, "Oh, this is the bad thing. You don't want to be the May queen. Yeah. So I'm I thinking of they... queens in terms of like, all she's going to do now is produce children. To right. Get that's new what birth. I
0: thought too. Yeah.
1: So I think that's what her new life is, is that she's now just a, she's just going to be popping out babies.
0: The thing that I don't understand. So they, they do this every 90 years. But how does it, how do they keep the balance? Do they just not worry about keeping the balance every other year?
1: I don't, I don't, I don't they, I think they do it every year. I think is what it comes down to. Because but, they, those, they, but those guys go to different places and say, oh, it happens every 90 years. And the people, you know, who's get the people that get invited are like, oh my God, this is a once in a lifetime opportunity. Oh, okay. I can't, I can't pass this shit up. I got to go. And then they end up dying, you know, and no one ever gets to find out. Okay. So they just keep do- but I would, I would imagine that someone at some point would stumble across them and be like, what the fuck are these guys doing out here in the woods? We need to take a look at this shit, especially when they burn down that whole thing. You would think like some sort of, you know,
0: yeah, they would. department it.
1: would be like, oh shit, the woods are on fire.
0: And from what I can tell, the, the town that it takes place is not too far from copenhagen the uh where is it where does it take place it's like a it's a village in a place called hosling which (laughs) is like a that's like a real place in sort of the middle of sweden
1: yeah
0: so it's probably not that far and and they said it was four hours it was a four hour drive from copenhagen which still that's not it's not like super remote
1: yeah that that triangle building's putting a lot of smoke up in the air
0: and i I mean i guess they're they're probably they probably have a decent amount of cover since they're in that sort of valley and they're surrounded by mountains from the looks of it
1: yeah i think it's just kind of a because i don't know if i really read that anywhere where people are i also haven't read that much to be honest but speculation on the because everyone just kind of stops it there. Like, oh, she's, you know, she's in charge of her life now. She's right. got that confidence. She's part of a family. And it's like, I don't think she's part of a family. I think she's now going to be, she's just a breeder now. Because if you think about it, like, in order to get the women of the village to, to procreate, it's pretty easy to bring in some guys. And you can easily get some guys to sleep with these women. But right. the guys in the village you're going to have to have a may queen and you're going to have to force the may queen.
0: Yeah. I it's mean, it's probably going
1: to happen. It's,
0: it's seems like it's very likely that that, that that's going to happen. Yeah. Cause I can't
1: just imagine that they're like, Oh, one outsider will be really nice to because you know, they, 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 they threw the game of dancing in order to make her win. Cause you just had people like throwing each other into each other and falling over.
0: Yeah something to think about yeah uh i just just talking about the end i thought it was i mean you knew that it was gonna happen with the bear because you saw it in the little pictograph type thing or whatever it was called um so so you knew something like that was gonna happen i still thought it was pretty crazy when it did happen Mm -hmm. and but just going back to what I thought was the most shocking moment was when the two people jumped off the cliff. Oh yeah. That just, I mean like my stomach dropped when that happened. Mm -hmm. I I just was, and and like I said, I knew what was going to happen, but it was in how it was, it was in how it was shot. And and, I mean, I knew something was going to happen from uh, the dinner. Like when they brought them out, I'm like, oh, they're old. There's something, something's not right here with these two, and I suspected that they were going to be sacrificed in some way, but it was still a really shocking moment to to see it on screen. Yeah, and the 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 face the face mask scene, I thought it was pretty disturbing. The face
1: mask when he oh when he was the, when he was wearing the skin,
0: yeah. When yeah, the guy was wearing Will Poulter's face.
1: Yeah, that was a bit odd. That felt a little out of place. That felt like they were kind of they were having a little bit of fun. I have, I have a feeling that the elders probably would have frowned on that.
0: Yeah, I'm not sure. The, the, a lot of this stuff, you're just like, oh man, like they got some really twisted traditions here. Like, how does this fit in with the festival? Like f- skin skin mask wearing, and then like. The guy that was uh, hung, like upside or not upside down, but he was hung from like the hooks, and had all the flowers. I mean that fit that fit with the theme a little bit more, I guess.
1: Yeah, that that one made a little more sense.
0: Certainly, uh, certainly a Wicker Man
1: vibe. Oh yeah, and that's what I mean when I was saying like, in terms of folk art, like right off the bat, I'm like, well, they're gonna people are gonna get sacrificed for. Because of the crops and all that jazz.
0: Yeah, but I don't know if that was... I, I think that Ari Aster probably knew that going into it. Like, I don't know if they were trying to keep it a secret. I mean...
1: That's what I mean. You,
0: see, you see the trailer, you know that shit's going to go down. So I, I don't look at that as any kind of, like...
1: I just, meant, I just meant in terms of the ending where... Because once, once they introduced that, the triangle house, and they're like, no one's allowed to go in there. I was like, oh, they're probably... I hope they don't burn that at the end because like I've seen that a lot. I've seen that in other movies. And then of course, you know, they're just kind of like filling it up with people and then they let it on fire. It's like, Oh, that's it. Like other movies have done that. Couldn't you, couldn't you sacrifice it in a different way?
0: That's, that's, that's how they do it. You gotta burn it. burn it.
1: Burn elaborate structures burn that beautiful a-frame that was gorgeous uh Man, and all yeah. that work why you paint it Then putting all those fumes in the air mm, it was probably
0: some kind of organic based <laughs> paint made out of dandelions <laughs> yeah there you go dandelion paint <laughs>